0: Welcome back for another week as we learn Perek, Faf, Bet. Crazy to think that we have only three more Shi'urim, and then we finish Sefer Yoshua. Our learning is dedicated to Lila and Nishon, Sipopi Balevi, Mayan, Rina D, Rufua Shlema, for Labatia, B'chayet Tova, Brachah Avikavad, Brach Avikita, Yitadi, Chaim and Aviv, B'rachachayim, Moshe Avimelech, HaLevi, B'basha, Shalom, Chayet Elka, and Shadokim for all those that are in need. I said this last time, but uh, but I think it's important to repeat, we made it. We've made it, we made it, we made it. It was not easy from the around pair, you bet, you gimbal time until now, but we we did. We we made it and we're back in a story, and it's quite a riveting story. Um, and, and I think it's gonna take a little bit of time to unpack. And I'm not even sure when we finish if we'll truly be able to say that we did it justice. But we're going to try our very best to understand the story a little bit better. Chabed starts off as calls the Shevet of Reuven, God, and Shevet and he says to them, "Atem, you listened to Moshe, you kept your part of the bargain with Moshe, and you listened to me. You were incredibly faithful." Everything that I asked for you, everything that Moshe demanded from you, you delivered on. You did not abandon your brothers all these years. It's not a short amount of time. It's at least 14 years that these people are away from their families. Imagine 14 years. They left perhaps young babies who are now teenagers or they left sons who were in their teens, who are now married with their own children. They gave up 14 years of their lives. And you, you delivered, you kept, you observed the commandment of God. And now you could leave your brothers. He says, I give you permission. You may leave. You may go home. You are dismissed. He says, but I'm telling you, there is one thing that I require of you to do. You have to keep the Torah. If you want to be successful, if you want everything to be good, you must cling to God. It sounds like Shema, which totally makes sense. Because Shema is the very essence of what God demands of us. God says that if you love me, but listen, remember what happens about shamo, But if you don't listen, so you're going to suffer. You won't have rain. You won't have sustenance. You won't have success. God says you choose. Yeshua is saying to him, I, I'm telling you this is how it is. And Yoshua blesses them and they go home to their tent. So it's interesting. I don't know definitively if this is the case. Yeshua is going to have a farewell speech that's Perch of But I'm not sure who comes to that speech. Are these people, Ruven, Gad, Chatz, Yishev, and Menashe going to come back to that? Or is this truly his final parting with them? So He says to them, I bless you. But then we look at, at Pazag <speaking> Zion. <Hebrew> let's, let's not forget. Khatsi <speaking> Shevet <in Hebrew> If you take a look at the map on the left. They beautifully go from left to right, right to left. The, Moshe took care of the part on the other side of the Yardame. And Yoshua gave them a piece of land within Eretz Yisov proper. When they were sent off, they also got a bracha. question is, what's going on? Why is Menashe singled out? So Rashi says, This is all the same thing. Nothing special happened here. When Yoshua sends off he also sends off The bracha that one is given is the same as the other. There is no special moment where Yoshua singles out Menashe. So says Rashi. The Radak though says no. Even after they got permission to leave, it is the Shevet Menashe leaves but doesn't leave. They're given permission to leave, but they hang around for two more days. He has to send them off also. Seems as though from the red dock, there seems to be some reluctance, some hesitation on the part of Sheba Menashe. They're just not ready to leave. And so that, that according to Redock, leads us to believe that something else is going on here. Sheba Menashe needs... A little bit of extra something. That's why they don't leave. The Malbim just says something simple. They are a divided tribe. So they need their own brach. The Choma Tanakh builds upon the idea suggested by the the Malbim. The Malbim's comment is a little bit cryptic, but don't fully understand what's going on. So listen to the Chomad He says, They get their own specific bracha. It's a bracha that they require because they didn't want to be here. But rather because Moshe Rabbeinu put them where they were, they needed something extra, a little bit more. Not only that, they say, they say outright. They say at the end, it's not exactly outright. But they say outright, we need this land because we have a lot of, uh, a lot of Mekneh. Uh, but they, they didn't. They didn't have all of that. They're simply put there by Moshe Abenu as the cog to connect either all Klal to connect Ruven and God to Klal That's where they come from. They didn't have the great wealth. Therefore, they need that bracha. The ode, It's hard for them to separate from the rest of their family, namely Menashe. The G-d B-M-N-E-E-F-R-A-Y-N and also, let's not forget, they're separating from Ephraim. <speaking in Hebrew> but they did what they had to do because Moshabenu told them that. <speaking in Hebrew> and that's where they get a special bracha. Interestingly, someone asked me the question this past this week. That if you take a look at Parsha's Vanditvar, the learning, it seems like there's a little bit of a um disjointed piece to it. And and one of the things that we add in there is levnei safe, Why do we need levnei safe And it's not the only time. The words levnei safe" find themselves several times in our in our Sefer Bamidbar when we talk about the the uh, levnei Ephraim and Ephraim and Menashe are not just. Menasha, but they are B'nai Ruven. Why? Perhaps because that is what the Chomatanach is trying to say. Menasha is singled out. There's something about the B'nai Menasha here because they're part of something bigger, not just that they're Hatzi Menasha, but they are Menasha who is connected to Fry. There is this big unit called the B'nai Yosef, and they are these this piece, the Khatzi Sheva Menasha, that's being banished. If you will, to the other side of the Yardain, they are part of something bigger and they're being singled out, they're being taken out of that. They need more, so they get their bracha. Pasuk chet. Pasuk chet. Pasuk chet is where we we get ourselves a little bit more. So Yoshua says to them, you're going to go home, great wealth. You got a lot of stuff. You come back with a lot of animals, a lot of silver, a lot of gold, a lot of copper, iron, clothing. Yeah. He says to them, I, I demand of you that you go back and you divide it with your brothers. Who's this actually being spoken to? So one possibility, I believe the Malbum says that it's actually, this is not meant to be told to Menashe. It's actually meant to be told to the, other, the others. Reuven and Gad are going to go home. But when they go home, they, they didn't bring all the, they didn't bring all of, the, all of the soldiers. They needed to leave some soldiers on the other side of the Jordan to protect the women and the children. So those that are going back might think, we just gave up 14 years of our lives. We worked, we toiled, we, we, we put ourselves on the front lines. There was definitely the possibility of sakanas of Nefashos. So we're not willing to give it back to everybody else. You guys stayed on the other side of the Jordan. Yeshua saying to them, no, no, no. When you go back, understand, you have to divide with your brothers. They were vital also. They protected your families for all of these years. What are the next steps? So they leave from Shiloh that's in Eretz Kinnan. Go to the other side of the Jordan River. That's what they do. What's their path? How do they get there? So it's interesting. According to the Malbim, where did this whole conversation happen? Yoshua sends them from Timnat Serech. Tim is Yoshua's land, the very, very end of all the chalupa, Yoshua gets his portion finally in Timnat This is an amazing map on Hattanach. It is put out by. Um, some amazing Tanakh people with tons of different Torah, but what's amazing is you could look at the map as per uh, today, as per back then. You could also look at it in terms of by parak, by, by Sefer. They're in Timnat They go to Shilo. Makes sense that they go, to before they go to Shiloh. Before they leave to go home, they're going to want to say goodbye in the Mikdash. So they go to Shiloh. Now from Shiloh, you actually can cross over. It's not hard. You can get over through the mountains over here. There's some small places where the Jordan is not so so big either. You can cross over there. If you remember from the very beginning, back when the Jordan split, there was this city that we referred to as Dam. Dam is right right around there. And yet they go down, they follow, okay, they follow the path of the Highway 60, which we talk about all the time, and they go to Yericho Gilgal, to a place called Galilot HaYardain, Magrot maybe Galilot is from Gilgal. Why do they do this? Why? Now let's see what they do there. They build a large Mizbeach there. Now the key word there is Limare. It is Limareh. What does Limare mean? It is um nine lo says with It is meant to be a, a symbol says also, Lolo is that It's a very high one. There were no steps, there was no ramp. So rack, So the questions that we're gonna to have to deal with are A, why do they build this? And B, why do they go on this circuitous route? They don't have to go down to Yifu. They don't have to go down to Gilgal. Why would they build it by Gilgal, by Galilo Tayarite? That is a question that we have to try to understand. So what happens? Here we have this peaceful group. Everybody's getting along so well. You could almost imagine there's this crying, oh my gosh, you guys are so amazing. 14 years, 14 years of dedication. Wow, wow. And now all of a sudden, listen to Paso Yud. Can you believe it? They're building. They built a Mizbeah at the edge of the Jordan River. Now, this is a great question that we have to try to understand. Which side of the Jordan River was it on? We'll get to that soon. But how could it be? They went so quickly from peace. We're all friends. War. La they're ready to go out to battle with them. Rivkal Ariel says something amazing. He says solidarity, solidarity. The, the solidarity. And they showed to the Jewish people the unity that the Jewish people had. It's all gone. They were ready to go out to war with them. They were willing to turn their backs on them in just a moment because they built this this Mizbeach. Vigil Ariel says, why? What what happened? How, How did they turn so quickly? So Vigal says something beautiful. Says Moshe Benu created unity through the Mishkan. Mishkan was the central hub for all religious observance for forty years, just about in the in the in the midbar. The Mishkan served as a place that everybody went to. You wanted to bring a carbon, You wanted to thank God. You even wanted to eat meat. You had to come to the Mishkan. Moshe Benu creates unity re- religiously. There's a spiritual unity. What does Yoshua do? Yeshua takes 12 shvatim. He builds one army. He says that we're biyachad. And they do. How many times did we note the fact that the the collective Jewish people, they all go out to war? It's not one person. It's not one shavit. And that's really important to note because it's going to change in a very quick heartbeat when we get to say for Shoften. But they go as one army, as one people, as one nation. Yoshua unifies the people militarily. Moshe unifies the people spiritually. The question is what happened when the Jewish people hit Eretz Yisrael? Says Revigal Ariel that actually the the unity of the spiritual peace drops quickly. There's no Mishkan for 14 years. And as long as the Mizbeach lives in Gilgal, you don't have to bring carbon where you are. You could bring the carbon. You don't have to come to Gilgal. You can bring the korban where you work. There is a unity that is lost spiritually and the Jewish people have to deal with that. Shiloh is supposed to change that. There's now one Mizbeah. There's now one Mishkan. There's only one place to bring a korban. Bamot are forbidden. That's what's supposed to happen. And yet the Jewish people look and say, we don't have that spiritual unity anymore. We lost it. And that is why this is so scary for the Jewish people. The Jews fear so quickly, not only will the unity be lost, but we're going to go from having one mikdash to two. And the idea of having two batei mikdash is something that we will become familiar with very, very intimately in Sefer Melachim, And that spells the end of the Jewish people as one nation. That is what they were so concerned with. I do want to try to understand a little bit which side the Mizbeach was built on. So obviously there's two possibilities. They built on their side, the eastern side, or they built on the western side. If they built on their side, on the eastern side, their taina, says Ravikal Ariel, is our side is holy too. He quotes from Josephus. Josephus argues that that's where it was built. If they build on the other side, right at the edge of the Jordan River, right as you enter into Eretz Yisrael, what is the message there? Their argument is we have a portion in the other side too. We're not just living there, even though it's, by the way, it's self-proclaimed. They chose to live on the other side. Nonetheless, They don't want to feel as though they lost their portion. What would be the concern if they're saying our side is holy too, that they're building a new Beit Hamikdash and that's separating from the people? The concern the other way: if you're building on our side, on the Eretz Yisrael side, the concern is that they are no longer observing the mitzvah. So what happens? So, let's just understand that the reaction is different. Paso Yud is what actually happens. Paso Bet is what they said. They said, let's go to war. We got to go attack the Jewish people. We can't have the B'nai and B'nai Ruve doing this. That's what they say. What happens is that they send the messenger. Who? It's Pinchas. They send out a delegate from each of the Shvatim with Pinchas as the leader. Why Pinchas? I, I would like to just point out it is interesting to note who is absent from the story. Yoshua. Yoshua is not part of it. We've got the, the tribes talking. Yoshua seems to not be part of this conversation at all. Why pinch So, listen to the beautiful idea, beautiful, beautiful thought given by the dot bikra. He is the head leader. He already was zealous when Zimri did what he did with Cosby. He was vengeful. He was zealous for God al and he got Kaparfa for Barbaf Hashem Amarlo Hashem. He need to obtain low british shalom God said he need to attain low shalom He is the man that creates peace. Isn't it fascinating? How does Pinchas create peace? He kills Cosby. He kills, he kills Zimri. He kills two people, and that causes peace. Which one is it? Can it be? Rav Egal Ariel says something amazing. He says that Pinchas is both a cherev no kemet. He is a vengeful sword and he is the ishalo. Ish Which one is he? Depends on the circumstances. Pinchas is going to go on a mission to find out what were they thinking. And once he finds out what they were thinking, then he could decide. Am I a cherev no kemet ni Am I going to be the vengeful sword? Or am I going to be the peace-loving person? That's the question. That's what we have to figure out. Let's take a look, though, at Pasuk Tad They come to the Bnei, Bnei Ruvain and they say to them, they're going to talk for a while how Amru new kola mam Hama alazasham out them okay sell a shubayo maresham no traba khamis ba' no mud kham hayo on what are you thinking how can you rebel against god Hama atlanu wa tawun poor ashaluhi tahardum ino ara yomazeh daga fatasham we already have the the sin of poor it's sitting there. We still have not gotten that. We, we've not been fully absolved of the sin of Chet Pa'or. And now today, this very day you leave God. Today you rebel against God. Tomorrow God will lash out against all the Jewish people. And if you're going to a a a from Medina, you're going to a place that's not kosher, They don't go there. Stay here. Stay with us in Eretz Israel. Don't rebel against God. How can you do this? how could you build in this bay after god and, and if that was enough they say benzerach mal you want the word ma'al? we have another one acham benzerach he also did that not, he, he is not the only one that dies by his sin but the whole people many people die Ravigal is bothered. Paor and Achan, what do they have to do with each other? So he says, actually, both of them are really bad sins. They're anti hashem By Paor, it's Abu Giveraios. By Achan, it's Ne'ila Bashem, It's you're, you're going against God. Why is it so bad? Because in a certain sense, it's idolatry. That which belongs to God, all of a sudden you're taking for yourself. That's one only one piece of it. But there's another piece. See, the other piece, Achan and Pa'or do, is they create piru in the Jewish people. They create separation. They break the unity. What Pinchas's message to the Jewish people is, that's what you're doing also. You're breaking ranks from the Jewish people, and that's really bad. You cannot just think you're going to walk away from that. That's what they say. But listen, they respond. I, I just want to say, can you imagine that they actually are able to hold their tongue. They listen to the indictment. After pa'or, they don't jump in and say, that's not what's happening. They listen to the dual indictment. You're pa'or, you're acham, look what you're doing. And then they answer. Kel Elohim Hashem, Kel Elohim Hashem. They invoke three names of God twice. Hu yodeya? Hu Yisrael Yedah. God knows. God knows. He knows if we are rebellious, if we are Moel by Shem, stand up for us. God, come after us. If we are truly guilty, then we deserve whatever punishment you're, give, you're going to give us. You know what our fear is? Our fear is that the day will come. There's a machar. Machar in the Torah could mean machar like tomorrow, or it can mean machar. There's a machar down the road. That's what we're worried about. We're worried that down the road, you know what's going to happen? You're going to come to us and say, "Are you're going to come to our children. What do you have with God? You don't have a portion with God. You don't have anything. You have no place in They're going to say that our children are not part of Kal That is their fear. We built it not for Corbano, not because we want to build a Misveyak It is a testimony, it is an aid between us and the future generations that voted at the they say we don't want the day to come where people say we don't have a hail of Hashem. Don't think, God forbid, this is an extension. or not an extension, but it is a new Mishkan Shilo. No, 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 no. This is truly where our hearts are. Our hearts are with God. Now, the screen helps a little bit, but this story should sound familiar. Yaakov and Lava have a similar moment Someone chases someone. They go to the other side of the Jordan River. They ask them, What are you doing? It's idolatry. And in the end, the answer is, It's not idolatry. But let's build a monument. So it happens. Yaakov, ch- Yaakov is chased by Lavan. He has the idols. Lavan says, Why did you take my idols? And he says, No, 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 let's peace. So that one day later, nobody will come with pinas on me. They build a monument. Are these stories somewhat similar? Ravigal Ariel wants to suggest that they are very similar. Because at the end of the day, in both cases, there is a monument that is built in order to send a message deep down the road that we're family. Lavan takes a bad, gets a bum rap in this whole story, but Lavan feels, what did you do, Yaakov? You're creating Piru. I want to be one family. We are close. We spent all this time together. Now you're running away? The Shvatim are told by the two and a half Shvatim, we don't want you to ever be able to say that we are not brothers. That That is what happens here. What was Moshe's concern? What was Moshe worried about? You know what Moshe was concerned about. Moshe was concerned that they were going to become a separate nation. It says by Yomru twice in our story. By Yomru initially, also the land is good for us. That's one. Then afterwards, they say, we want it as an Ahuza. They're a little more forthcoming the second time. Says the Abarbanel, they weren't forthcoming the first time. because They were embarrassed to say that they really didn't want to be part of Israel. And Moshe says to them, your brothers are going to go out to war and you won't? How could that be? How could that be? How are you able to possibly... Suggest that you won't be with your brothers. And the B'nai Ruvein said, we want to be brothers. That's what we want. There is the possibility of civil war. That is how close the Jewish people were here. The possibility of civil war is so great because of this mezbeach. But listen to what Pinchas does right now. It's a moment of brilliance. Pasek Lamed Aleph. By Pinchas ben Eleazar ben Aaron we see that you you care. We see that what you're doing is not wrong. They bring word back to the Jewish people. The army was ready to roar. They were ready to fight. They waited for the delegation to come back, and the delegation comes back and says, Kaliso doesn't need to have a civil war. You don't have to have a civil war. You know why? Stop. Because they're 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 good hearted. And what they are and what they're suggesting was not negative. Shit. They are with Hashem. This is a testimony that God is our true God. It's an amazing moment. Pinchas has the ability to say, we're not, no how? Listen to a beautiful idea by Michael Hatton. He talks that the truth is that the ultimately the episode will end tragically. This the, the Shevet will be the first to be la- these Shvatim, the first ones to go. Disagreements between the tribes of Israel have a long history in the Bible. Rarely are they solved without bloodshed, but yet this is a hopeful paradigm. But here, both versions of the dispute, the one between Moshe and, and B'nei G'ad and B'nei ruven and the one here between B'nei Ch- G'ad, and B'nei Ruvim, Chatzishev and Asha, the earlier one concerning the eastern lands and the later one concerning the altar are resolved amicably. The lesson for us is clear. There is so much, to, there's much to be said for dialogue by allowing the two and a half tribes to explain their motivations, even while justifiably Suspecting the worst, Moshe, and later Yoshua introduced to the, the tribes of to a new dynamic in which words can heal. Words can heal. There is an impasse between the B'nai G'ad and Beiruvayim, Hatsi Sheva Menashe, and Kalal And this Mizbeach stands in front of them. And they desperately need to know what is the purpose of Mizbeach. The army is ready. They've got their weapons ready. They're ready to obliterate two and a half Schvatten. And yet dialogue. They talk. And if you think that this is a not that this is not a big deal, just wait till we get to the end of Sefer Shouften. Sefer Shouften will end with a similar story of rebellion and civil war, and yet unfortunately that icon, that big hand saying, stop, won't be there when we get to the end of Shofdin. please God, in a few months. But the Jewish people will be at the brink of a Sheba being destroyed. In the end, 600 men survive from the mighty of Benjamin. What saves them? They talk. One can only imagine what would have happened in Sefer for if they were spoken. What if they would have had a conversation with the B'nai bin Yaman and said, Let's figure this out? Can't we figure a solution out? Why do we have to go to war? The al offers lessons at the end of Perek, Chavdalat of Yoshua. And the eighth lesson is that we need to talk, we need to reflect. That is a hope for what Yoshua could be. The fact that Yoshua is absent from this parrot, perhaps, perhaps is teaching us a mighty lesson. It is teaching us the lesson of how do we survive in the post-Yoshua era? We survive by talking. Can we talk? Can we listen to our brothers? That is the message that Yeshua has desperately wants us to know at the end of Perek God willing, next week we will continue with Parak Chav Gimel. Thank you once again for joining us. Now is a good time to put a plug in. Share with your friends. Tell them to join us for Sefer Shoftim, which, which is starting in just two more weeks. Have a wonderful week, and keep walking in the ways of the prophet.